Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org slash connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Carlos. This is Jesus Christ speaking. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you. What's that next word? Say it loud and clear. Friends. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now. You know, I want to begin our time by sharing a story with you. Because when I was in my early 20s, I went to FIU, Florida International University. Yeah, we got some alumni in here. And in 2007, I graduated with my business degree, bachelor's in business. Later on, I would go uh, to seminary and got my master's in theology. But while I was at FIU, I still remember I was uh, studying for an exam, and I was in the library. And a friend of mine approached me and said, hey, you got to come and check this out. And he introduced me to something that was permeating across all campuses in our country. You see, in the early 2000s, a young college student discovered that there was a problem amongst universities across the country. You see, as a college student, we had the ability to go online and download music. We had the ability to go online and watch a movie and get information. But we did not have an ability, a platform to connect with others and build friendships. So in 2004, this 19-year-old college student would invent this social media platform that was solely exclusive for college students. The only way that you can subscribe or become a member is by having a university email account. But then he noticed, this young guy said, this is not only a problem amongst college students, we have a friendship problem all across the world. And so he would open it up to, so that anyone can join. And in case you're wondering, it, I'm talking about Facebook. In fact, how many of you here have a Facebook account? Yeah, most of us in here do. Well, in 2004, this young man by the name of Mark Zuckerberg invented Facebook. And it is the most popular social media platform in the entire world. In fact, did you know that 1.52 billion people log into their Facebook account daily? Not weekly, not monthly, but rather daily. You see, what Mark discovered is that every single one of us, there is a longing in our soul to connect with other people and to build friendships. And you may have hundreds of friends on Facebook, thousands of friends on Facebook, 10,000. But how many real friends do you have? How many true, authentic, vibrant, healthy, solid friends do you really have? Because here's what I know. Whether you are coming for the first time at our church and do not believe in the things of God, or you've been attending church and you're a follower of Christ, every single one of us in here, we have this in common. And we all long in our hearts to have friends. We all long inside the depth of our soul to have friends. 
In fact, this is our big takeaway for the message this weekend. God's desire for you is to have healthy friendships. God's desire for me, for us, is to have healthy friendships. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, how exactly do I find these healthy friends? Or how do I become a good friend to someone else? You know, I've tried so many times, but I can't establish any good friends in my life. Well, we're going to find out today as we navigate through the Word of God. And I want to encourage you at all of our campuses, if you're watching us online, to take notes as well. And so pull out your inserts. We also have a new Christ Fellowship app, so you can take notes on your smartphone as long as you don't go on Facebook, okay? You can take notes on your phone. But here's the first point that I want you to write down today. You are created for healthy friendships. Here's what the Bible says. I want to take us back to that passage in John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you. What's that next word? Friends. friends. I have called you friends. Now, let, let me give you some context to set up this passage for today. Because Jesus Christ is having a conversation with his disciples. And this is about a week before he's about to be crucified on the cross. In other words, Jesus knows that he's about to leave the presence of his disciples. And in three short verses, Jesus mentions the word friends three times. Why? Jesus wants to teach them the importance of friendships. You see, this idea of friendships did not originate with Facebook. It was not invented or originated with a philosopher, or a counselor, a teacher, a mentor. But it originated with God himself. God desires for us to have Friends, in fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as your next point for today. You were created to have a healthy friendship with God. You were created to have a healthy friendship with God. Here's what John chapter 15 verse 14 says, the same passage. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. Now think about this. Let that resonate for a moment in your hearts. The God of the universe, the God who created everything that we can enjoy, the God who created you and I, calls you his friend. He invites you into a friendship with him. You see, what makes Jesus so radically different and distinct and unlike any other deity or pagan God or tradition or religion is that Jesus says, I want you to be my friend. Not only obey my commands, do not, not only follow me, but be my friend as well. See, we were created to have a healthy friendship with God. And here's the next point that I want you to write down today. You were created to have healthy friendships with others. With others. To give you some theology on friendship, I want to take us back all the way to the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And in chapter 1, there is a pattern that Moses, who wrote Genesis, establishes. You see, God creates the heaven and the earth. And God looks at his creation and he says, it is good. God creates the creatures of the earth, the birds of the sky. And he looks at, cre at his creation 
And he says it is good. God creates the ocean, the valleys, the mountains. And he looks at his creation and he says it is good. Then God creates Adam, the first human being. And here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Here's what the word of God says. The Lord God said, it is what? Say it with me. It is not not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, do you think that God made a mistake? Do you think God failed and said, oh, my gosh, Adam's alone. Dude needs company. He's all by himself with a lion or a tiger. No, God didn't make a mistake. So why would God not create Adam and Eve at the same time? Why would he pause and create Adam first and then Eve? Well, one of the reasons why is because he wanted to teach us the importance of friendships. Yes, Eve was Adam's bride, was his spouse, his lover, his wife. But before all of that, Eve was Adam's best friend, companion, helper. See, we were created to have friendships with others. You know, oftentimes as a pastor, people will tell me, you know, Pastor Carlos, I'm good with friends. I don't, I don't need any friends. You know, I've had some in my life. They've betrayed me. They've done things against me. But it's just God and I, me and God. I read God's word. I pray. I worship. I fast. I serve. But I just want to keep away from people. Occasionally, I'll come to church. You see, we were created to do life with others not to be alone in this life. Let me give you a sports analogy to help explain this point. How many of you like tennis in here? Raise your hand, like tennis, come on. Make some noise, tennis fans, tennis players, yeah. Well, there was a point in my life in my early 20s that I would play tennis all the time, every Monday evening. Now, don't invite me to play tennis because I'm not any good, okay? But every Monday evening, I would play tennis with a couple friends of, of mine, and I really got into the sport. And so then one of my friends invited me to the Sony Ericsson to- uh, tennis match in uh, Kiwi Skane. And so it was a phenomenal experience. I had never experienced anything like that. It was really, really fun. But one of the unique things about tennis is that when a tennis player is about to play in the match, a coach or any friend cannot say anything to the tennis player. He's all alone or she is all alone. In fact, if a friend or a coach gives any advice, any counsel, any feedback, any encouragement, that player playing in the match can be penalized and even disqualified from the match. That player is all alone. That's not how life is supposed to be. Life is more like boxing. How many of you like boxing? Come on, we can be honest here. I used to watch boxing all the time when I was growing up. Tyson, Holyfield, Sugar Ray Leonard, Deloya. And in boxing, when the bell rings, that boxer goes to his corner. And the moment he goes to his corner, there is a group of friends that surround him. And one of them is giving him a massage. The other one is putting ice on his bruises. The other one is fixing the blood that's covering his eye. And the other one is giving him a pep talk. You can do this. You can beat that guy. He is exhausted. You're winning on the scorecard. You got this. You're better than he is. 
Church family, I don't have to tell you, life can sometimes feel like a boxing match. As you go through some struggles in life, as you go through some adversities in life, as you go through some storms in life, who is in your corner? Who is speaking life to you as you're dealing with some emotional scars, some painful scars? Who is in your corner? Because we may have hundreds of friends on Facebook, thousands of followers on Instagram, but no one is in our corner, and we're doing life like a tennis match, all alone, Lone Ranger. Who is your 3 a.m. friend? Who is that friend that no matter what's happening in the middle of the night, no matter what you're dealing with, you can pick up your phone and say, hey, I need you. Because we all need that. We need people in our corner. And so God created us to have a healthy friendship with him, and God created us to have a healthy friendship with each other. And here's the next point that I want you to write down as your next point. Friendships need to be chosen wisely. Friendships need to be chosen wisely. Look at what Solomon, the wisest man to live on this earth after Jesus. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle that word choose. We've told you many times that the Old Testament was written and mostly written in Hebrew. And that word choose in the Old Testament is the word tour. Say it with me, tour. tour. Say it like you mean it, tour. tour. And it literally means to spy out. In other words, what Solomon is saying is that you need to be so careful on who you choose to be your friend that you need to spy out that person to ensure that person is good company for you. Why? Because here's our next point. Not everyone should be your friend. Not everyone should be your friend. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, what Solomon is saying is when you have friends who are wise, you're going to become wise. If you have friends who are not wise, you're going to suffer in life. They are going to hurt you. It's not going to be healthy for you. Why? Because your friends have so much influence on who you are. I love what Greg Groeschel, a very well-known pastor, mentioned this before years ago, and it really resonated with me. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Your friends have so much influence on who you become as a person. Let's think about this. Some of the regrets in our life, and yes, Jesus has already forgiven us from all of our sins, but some of our regrets growing up involve friends. It was friends that were there on some of the things that we regret in life. It wasn't your enemies. It wasn't people that you disliked. There were people that influenced you. They didn't force you to do something, but they had so much influence over your life because friends influence us. In fact, your friends influence your body weight. 
They did a survey years ago that if your spouse, your husband, wife, gains weight, there's a 37% chance of you gaining weight. If your sibling, your brother, your sister gains weight, there is a 40% chance of you gaining weight. But if your bestie, BFF, Biffo, homeboy, bro, dude, day one, whatever you call that person, if they gain weight, there is a 57% chance of you gaining weight. So next time your bestie wants to go to Co-Stone <laughs> or Salty Donuts, you tell them, wait a minute, I don't want to gain weight. Or your boy wants to go to the, to the L house and devour a mountain belt with barbecue sauce and ranch and blue cheese. You say, no, no. Or for my Spanish people, when your friend wants to go to La Carreta and have pastelito de guayaba y queso, croquetas, tequeños, Tell them, no, I don't want to be a part of that statistic. I'm part of the 43% that doesn't gain weight. Your friends have so much influence over you. My mom, growing up, and moms are always right, right? She's actually here. She used to tell me as a kid, dime con quien andas. Come on, you know it. Because your mom told you too, right? Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you're with, and I'll tell you who you are. You know, you can be one friend away from having a better marriage. You can be one friend away from being a better husband. You can be one friend away from being more wise with your finances. You can be one friend away from being a better wife, mother, student, son, daughter, grandparent, grandchild. But on the, same, on the other spectrum, you can be one friend away from destroying your marriage. You can be one friend away from ruining your finances. Young person, high school, middle school student, if you are here, you can be one friend away of not accomplishing the goals that you have for school, of graduating with a college degree, going for your master's, because your friends, the people that you put around you, have so much influence over your life. Choose wisely, Solomon says. But I know what many of you are thinking in here today, and I want to address the elephant in the room. Pastor Carlos, but wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Didn't Jesus hang out with people who looked and acted nothing like him? Aren't we supposed to be friends of sinners? Here's the answer. Be back next weekend. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to give you the answer now. Yes, we should be friends of sinners. We should be friends with people that looked and act nothing like us. But Jesus' inner circle were the disciples, and his best friends was Peter, James, and John. And so the inner circle, we need to be so careful who we put in that. In fact, I want to give you a visual to decipher that point. And so this circle right here, I'm going to give you a visual. This small inner circle represents your intimate, close friends. It should be a circle made up of two to three people. And if you're married, your spouse should be in that circle. This isn't a marriage talk. But in order to have a healthy marriage, there needs to be healthy friendship. And my wife, Shawnee, is my best friend. She's one of my best friends. This is that inner circle. Then there's another circle here, which are your friends. These are, these are people that you have a relationship with. There's a connection, 
You go to their wedding. They invite you to birthday parties. You talk too often. You know, you go to baby shower, bridal shower. So this is that circle. And then lastly, this circle here are your acquaintances. These could be Facebook friends, people that you barely talk to, just high and by, small talk. There really isn't any type of friendship. So what I'm referring to is this intimate, close friends, because these are your true, true friends. And the people that you put there, whether you like it or not, you're going to become like them. The people that you place here, whether you like it or not, they're going to shape you to become someone. For some of us in here, we don't have anyone in this circle. And that's dangerous. And for others, we have the wrong people in that circle. Choose wisely who is in there. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you. I get you. I understand that I need to choose friends wisely, and I get all of that. But what exactly does a healthy friend look like? Or, like, how can I become a healthy friend for someone else? Well, I want to give you four quick characteristics of what a healthy friend looks like. And there are many other things, but I'm going to give you just four. But there are many other things. So here's the first one. In a healthy friendship, there is shared values. That's the next point that I want you to write down. In a healthy friendship, there is shared values. In other words, that inner circle, they value the same things that you value. They value God, the Word of God, prayer, coming to church. They value honesty, same convictions. They value marriage, being faithful in marriage. Guys, if you have a best friend that whenever you guys go out and it's guys now and you're watching the hurricanes or the heat or the dolphins and your best friend is okay with you flirting with someone from the opposite sex who is not your wife, that's not a healthy friendship. Come on, ladies, you can say amen to that. Ladies, if you have a bestie that's just, Speaking it to your ear. Mm, he don't deserve you. He's not respecting you. Forget that guy. And messing up your marriage. In other words, hating on your marriage. That's not a healthy friend. There are shared values. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to being honest, all these things, you share the same convictions that that is your foundation. Here's the next word. Next one in a healthy friendship, there is encouragement. Say it with me, encouragement. I don't care who you are, whether you are very successful and well-resourced or you are struggling in life and under-resourced, all of us need encouragement. Tell the person next to you, yeah. Tell the person next to you, you need some encouragement. Tell the other person next to you, you also need some encouragement too. Sorry you were second, but you need some encouragement too. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, teach each other, rebuke each other, correct each other. Therefore, what? Encourage. Therefore, what? Encourage. Encourage one another and build each other down, up. Sorry, build each other up. We live in a world that's all about tearing each other down. 
criticizing. You go on social media from the moment that you pull up your phone app. It's all tearing each other down because we don't agree on this. We don't agree on that. Even believers, it's sickening. Be that friend that builds your friend. You know what the definition of encouragement is? Let me give it to you. Encouragement, encourage. In other words, infusing someone with courage. Someone's going through cancer, you're infusing them with courage. Someone's going through an emotional pain, you're infusing them with courage. You're building them up. In fact, Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily. Why every day? Because every day we're being attacked. And we need someone that is speaking truth into our life and is building us up as someone. You know, one of my closest friends, he's actually here and he's in the front row and it's Pastor Ray. Pastor Ray is our small group pastor, and we have a really, really healthy friendship. Every single time that I preach, right before, he sends me a text message. Hey, bro, praying for you. That's it. Nothing else. Hey, bro, praying for you. You know what that does to me? It builds me up as a person. It builds me up as a pastor. It builds me up as a follower of Christ. Who do you have around you? Because if the people around you are tearing you down, they're toxic and get rid of them. Unfriend them. Not only on Facebook, but in real life. I'm going to unfriend you. Encouragement. Here's the next point. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. James chapter 5. The Apostle Paul James says the following. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice how he doesn't say confess your sins to God. Yes, we should confess our sins to God, but he also says confess your sins to other people. Confess your sins to your friends because when there's confession and there's vulnerability, there is healing. And let me tell you, women tend to be much better than men in this area. They're a lot more vulnerable, and men oftentimes we're not. Let me give you an example. When two guy best friends are hanging out and they're fishing, Throwing out the rod, this is how usually a conversation goes. Hey, bro, how's life? Ah, good, good. How's your wife? Ah, smooth, smooth, things are smooth. How are your children? Ah, they're healthy. Thank God, they're healthy. How about work? We're making it happen. We're making it happen. All right, let's talk about the dolphins now. But when two... Ladies, best friends, and the same scenario, same household, doing their nails. How's everything going? Oh my goodness, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Jimmy is always coming late from work. He never wants to help out with the children. He just sits down on the couch watching ESPN. I hate ESPN, it is from the devil. I want to take the cable box and just throw it against the wall. I can't stand that stuff. And little Johnny is failing fifth grade. I don't know what to do. We haven't paid our mortgage in two months. We're struggling. Women, that's awesome. With the right people, of course. Men, we got to be real with each other. A lot of us are going through the same stuff as women, but we're not saying anything. We're not being open. We're not being vulnerable. If you aren't open with me, how can I pray for your marriage? If you aren't open with me, how can I help you with your finances? Get help. Be vulnerable. 
if you always are not vulnerable with people, you will always resort to shallow relationships. You can be a mile wide, but an inch deep. Everyone knows you. Everyone knows you on Facebook, on social media, but no one really, really knows you. And so for a healthy friendship, there needs to be vulnerability. Vulnerability. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. In a healthy friendship, recognize that there are going to be some imperfections. Imperfections. I love the title of this series because it's called Imperfect Together. As awesome as your bestie is, as incredible as your boy is, as godly as they are, they will fail you. They will disappoint you. They may hurt you because we are all imperfect. But here's the good news. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am your friend. And the only one that will never fail you, the only one that will never disappoint you, the only one that will never hurt you is Jesus Christ, and he is your friend. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? I'm preaching to Core Gables, Online, Homestead, Redland, Miami Springs, West Kendall. And oftentimes we miss out on the blessing of not having a healthy friendship because we don't recognize and understand that our, our friend is going to fail us. In fact, I want to share this story, and I want to close with the story. Many of you know the Apostle Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he planted many churches. And there was another friend of his, a really, really good friend of his, by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas was also a man of God, and he planted many churches with the Apostle Paul. So they did ministry together, and they had a healthy friendship. But here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Paul said to Barnabas, they had a disagreement now, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. In other words, Paul is saying to Barnabas, hey, Barnabas, let's go back to those cities where we planted these churches and let's follow up on them and see if everything is going okay. Let's make sure that things are healthy. And here's what the Bible says in verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Mark was Barnabas' cousin. But Paul thought it was best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So in other words, Paul is saying, hey, I don't want to take your cousin Mark because your cousin left us before on a different missionary trip. He abandoned us. And Barnabas is saying, no, I want to take my cousin Mark with us. Here's what the Bible says in verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreements, so they separated, say with me, separated, separated separated from each other. Paul and Barnabas, two men of God, godly men, would never ever be friends again. They had mutual respect towards each other, they loved each other, they honored each other's ministry, but the Bible says that they never again would become friends. And we look at that passage and we're like, that's so silly. How could they break up a friendship just because Paul didn't want to take Barnabas' cousin and Barnabas wanted to take his cousin? Fix it, guys. But church, 
That's a picture of us. Oftentimes, we allow the minute things of life get in the way of a healthy friendship. Oftentimes, we miss out on the blessing of having good, strong, vibrant, healthy, authentic, real friends for some of the smallest things in life. Oh, she didn't like my picture. She likes everyone else's. They threw a party and I was invited last because they felt they had to. A comment they made in front of my child and I didn't like that. You see, in a healthy friendship, we need to understand that our friends is imperfect. But Jesus is perfect and he is your friend. You know, in fact... When we break up a friendship because of imperfections, I'm not saying that you need to be friends with everyone or there are some people that you do need to unfriend, but if you break up with someone because of their imperfections, it really reveals the imperfection in us because we have failed them. We have disappointed them. We have let them down. And so our friends are going to be imperfect. And oftentimes we miss out on the blessing, on the blessing of having people that are in our corner building us up, speaking life into us. We can't do life alone. You need others. So here's your next step. For some of you in here today, you don't have anyone in your inner circle. You need to find some people. Small group is a great place to find the right people. For others of us, we have people in our inner circle, but they're the wrong people. You need to place the right people to help you become that person that God is calling you to be. And for others of us, maybe when I mentioned that story, you thought of a friend that was a good, healthy friend. And for whatever reason, there was a fallout. Perhaps your next step is to call them and reconcile that relationship. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness and be humble and say, hey, you know what I did was wrong, but please forgive me. I want us to have a friendship again because it was a healthy thing. It was a good thing. What Paul and Barnabas had was a good thing. But for something so minute, it stopped. Or for others of us, maybe there is someone that hurt you that you need to call and say, hey, what you said hurt me and what you said disappointed me. But I want to forgive you. Just like Christ has forgiven me, I want to extend forgiveness to you as well. Because here's what I know, life was not meant for us to live it like a tennis match all by ourselves. But we were created to have healthy friendships with others. Amen? How many of you believe that today, church family? Amen? At all of our campuses, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. With no one looking in this room, God, we thank you, God Almighty, for speaking to us through your word, God. We thank you because your word encourages us, convicts us, teaches us, corrects us, Lord. And so, God, I just pray for every single person in here, Lord. I just pray that we may be able to establish healthy, godly, vibrant, strong friendships, Lord. We need other people to do life with, God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you're joining us for the first time or maybe you've been coming here for many weeks and as I speak about friendships, maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, I don't have a friendship with God. 
It begins there. My friend, I want to tell you, I want to remind you what John 15 says. He desires to be your friend. He desires to have a personal and intimate relationship with you. The Bible says that none of us are perfect. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the word of God says in John 3, I love, God loves the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Romans 10 says, if you believe that he was raised from the grave and you confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. He will become your best friend. And so if you're watching us online or you're at one of our campuses and you've never made that decision, today is your opportunity to make that decision right now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, but it's not the prayer that saves you, but rather it's the condition of your heart, and God wants your heart. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You can say the same exact words that I pray, or you can pray something similar. Father God, I come before you, and I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Thank you, Jesus, that you died, you were buried, and you were raised on the third day for my sins. And so, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my everything, and to be my best friend. Today, I repent from my old ways. I run to you. I turn away from my old life, and I run to you. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen and amen. Christ. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.